Considering a transition to private pay? Thrizer can help you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for your clients. Your clients just pay co-insurance for sessions instead of waiting weeks for reimbursement. Thrizer covers the rest of your fees so you get paid in full up front. Check out our special link, join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thrizer. Is your mental health practice buried in the bottom of Google search results? There's a way out. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a roadmap to search engine success. As mental health professionals, they know how to help therapists attract ideal clients and build a thriving practice. Go to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to learn more and unlock your SEO potential this summer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And in this COVID world, we see a lot of you struggling with the question of, should I tell my clients to wear a mask? Whether it's inside session, as we've explored before, for those of you returning back to the office, but also when they engage in behaviors outside of the therapy room, whether they go to socialize with their peers, their family, just haphazardly across the world. And we know that the conversation around masks has become extremely politicized. So we're using this as a jumping off point to talking about what do we tell our clients when it comes to things around their general health? Because there's scope of practice issues, there's ethics issues, there's diagnostic issues. And this really comes to the question of, do we tell our clients to wear protection? I want to even take it further than that and say, I just got your joke. (laughs) 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 That was, that was a a joke grenade. (laughs) (laughs) Do we tell our clients to wear protection? Okay. But anyway, I would like to take it even further and, and talk about how do we help our clients navigate not just their health? Cause I think there's, there's certainly across the board, there's going to be stuff that probably translates. So in the interest of an evergreen episode, yes, there are times when we're going to help them navigate their health. But I think it's also specifically during this time, how do we help people navigate whatever risk they foresee, whether it's the, the, the risk around coronavirus, if it's the risk around the economy, if it's a risk around interpersonal relationships, like there is so much going on that I feel like grappling with the four or five dimensional chess that we all are grappling with is something that as therapists, I'm finding more challenging to navigate than, to, than usual. And so how do we sort through what is our role in helping people either comply with masks or not, decide if they go visit their friends. <laughs> like, how do we do that and what do we need to be aware of? That's the, that's the question I want us to, to really dig into. So in one corner, we have the age-old argument of clients should have autonomy over themselves. We should respect client decisions. Clients should be a part of the treatment planning process. They should be aware of the goals that they're working towards and therapists should not be putting their own biases onto their clients. 
And in the other corner, we have science. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, we do. (laughs) I'm oversimplifying the, the science end of things because there are foreseeable and preventable things. And I will say that the avenue of which I'm evaluating today's discussion is through a Jesuit philosophical tradition called casuistry. And what this is, is in looking at novel situations, we consider not the merits of where the decision is on its own, but how closely does this fall to decisions that have already been made, whether it's within our practice, whether it's within our profession, but you'll hear me talking from this, is this closer to this or this? And following reasoning along those lines. And this started a little bit with a conversation that I was having with Dr. Ben Caldwell, wonderful friend of the show. And I'd reached out to him around, is there a debate around something like COVID that implies some sort of duty to warn? Because at least with the trainings that we receive where Katie and I practice in California, a lot of places across the U.S. and I'm assuming across the world is when a client intends to engage in a behavior that can lead to a foreseeable harm against other people, there's a duty to warn or a duty to protect. But the language in which we evaluate those laws also comes with the terminology around imminent. And this is where, at least as far as I believe in these conversations that I've had so far go, is that Well, COVID does have a death component to it. A lot of people have died. There's also not the imminency that necessarily comes along if the same client was talking about taking a gun out and shooting at people randomly. And so without that imminency is leading to, is this more like a Tarasov situation or is this leading towards something like the way that we treat clients with HIV and AIDS who may also be engaging in risky behaviors, which again, speaking from the laws of California where I am most knowledgeable, without that imminency, without that death that can happen right away with clients or the the people that they may infect, there's no duty to warn, no duty to protect. But that still doesn't come back to this very first question of, do we even let that sort of disclosure and session of their intentional their, their intentions of behaviors even come up in the first place? Well, and I think that the piece that I feel like is oversimplified here is that I'm not talking about folks who are going out without a mask and like licking people or coughing on people or get a positive COVID test and start attacking people (laughs) in some way so that they try to transmit the disease. Because I think even in that regard, I mean, there's, there's a lot of privacy issues around medical concerns, like all that stuff. Like I, I think getting to a duty to warn or protect, I think is, is really challenging when it's like, Hey, I've got a virus and I'm going to try to infect people. (laughs) Like, I don't think that there's any precedent that says, hey, you've got to warn people or you have to protect other people. I think it's, to me, it's more about helping people identify their own health behaviors for themselves. Like, are they giving themselves enough protection against a perceived threat, which is the coronavirus? 
and and that's there's no dirty to warn. It's more about how do we help them work, you know, work in their best interest, you know, and how do we even determine what that is. But I think it's also when we look at kind of the greater good around if our clients are going out and not wearing masks, do we have some responsibility to try to change their behavior, not to warn or protect, but because at least according to what I'm reading and quote unquote science, wearing a mask seems to be helpful in mitigating the effects and the risk to a wearer of a mask is, is relatively low. So it, does, it seems like a pretty no-brainer to me. I understand it's politicized, but because I believe that, I may also believe that my client not wearing masks out in public could be a danger to society as a whole. Do I have a reason to try to impact their behavior towards mask wearing? When we see clients who are engaging in a number of risky behaviors. And I'm going to step this back from the mask question for a second because because it is so politicized right now. And looking at where our established lines of thoughts already are in the profession. If we have clients who are coming to us for something like depression and they're engaging in things that make them more depressed, we have a responsibility to psychoeducate them about how their behaviors lead to depression. We tell them get regular sleep. We tell them to exercise. We tell them to socialize appropriately, put an asterisk on that in the COVID-19 world. But (laughs) (laughs) we uh, talk to them about the possibility of psychotropic medications, all of things that are behavioral, social, biological interventions for them to get out of the situation that they're in so that way they feel better, reach their treatment goals. Now, when it comes to things like masks, it is probably not a presenting reason for treatment for a lot of clients. And it's something that's not necessarily a discussed point of your original treatment plan. Although, you know, many of us have been documenting in our case notes for the last couple of months, literally talked about covid the entire session. (laughs) But in talking about this, we have places like the World Health Organization, the CDC, that have given their recommendations, who are the experts in communicable diseases, especially around, compared to those of us who are therapists, that we rely on them to do their jobs. We rely on us to do our jobs. I think that we have a understanding that we need to present a reasonable enough presentation of information as far as, here's what the experts say. I'm not the expert in this area. There's more information for you to learn from these experts, but these are what the experts say about this given situation. And I want to get back to that, but before we head into psychoeducation and alternate facts... (laughs) I want to I want to speak to the other element of my question because I think it's a short answer and I I have ideas about it too but I think this this idea of that's kind of how do they make their own health decisions which was kind of the initial part and I think probably the brunt of our the rest of our conversation but part of mask wearing is the protection of society at large mm-hmm. and I think if we were to look at the the precedent in our field around protecting the greater good, 
it's looking at like if there's imminent, like when you're talking about duty to warn, then there's there's certainly like we have to to warn intended victims and blah blah blah. But I think it's around like if someone's planning to set a lot of fires, mm-hmm. you know, without any uh, harm to individuals. So like I'm gonna go set on fire something that's empty, or I like to play with fire in fields, like whatever. Like I don't think there's a duty to warn there. Is there? I mean, like, like at what point, I guess, does it become a duty to warn? Because wearing a mask, there's like a percentage that it improves the situation, according to what I've read. So it's not like, it's certainly not even like lighting a fire, <laughs> but it's like, there are many people who believe that if you wear masks, society will be better off, COVID will go away, and all will be well. And so in therapists not saying, hey, client, you should wear a mask that somehow we're letting down society at large. Comparing it to fire, because the other part of eminence is grave bodily danger or death. Mm -hmm. And so we take, you know, the... If you've been considering switching to private pay and are unsure how to attract and retain clients, Thryzer can be your best resource. How? Thryzer actually helps you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for clients with out-of-network benefits. First, Thryzer can help clients instantly verify their out-of-network benefits, providing them complete transparency on the cost of therapy ahead of their first session. Then, just by charging your clients via Thryzer's payment platform, you can automatically submit claims for them, offload all the insurance stress onto Thryzer, and even let your clients just pay their co-insurance for sessions, similar to in-network co-pays, to help them afford therapy upfront and skip the long reimbursement wait. Thryzer covers the rest of your fees, so you get paid in full upfront and waits for reimbursement on your client's behalf. They also have a super bill uploads feature, which is completely free for therapists. If you'd like to instead offer your clients a resource to manage their own super bills, they manage all claims end to end. So you or your clients don't need to deal with any of the insurance stress. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to start your free trial and receive waived fees for your first $2,500 in payments. And to keep this episode evergreen, I'm not even going to cite today's statistics around COVID, but it's <laughs> it's a lot in America. There's a lot. There's just a lot. <laughs> that being said, not everybody who gets COVID has to go to the emergency room. Not everybody who's going to the emergency room is being intubated. Not everybody who gets it is dying. Yeah. So we are not predictors of the future and the effects of something that's outside the scope of our knowledge. We're not virologists. We're not epidemiologists. We're we're people who talk about behavioral and emotional health. And so that responsibility to society doesn't fall in the same kind of thinking path as somebody out there setting fires. So I think that we end up stopping short of saying you must wear a mask, but there's also still a place within that as far as saying the general health recommendations are that people wear masks when they go out and do the kinds of activities that you're doing. And it's a consideration for you and the society around you that mitigates at least some of the transmission that can happen with COVID. Okay, so we've 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 circled back around to kind of this education thing because I think to close that last loop, it sounds like because there's not 
an imminent threat. There's not a definite outcome. We don't have a responsibility to society to, to tell people to do a specific behavior, especially in leading into the next point, because when we educate them right now, especially like, it seems like there is so many different versions of the truth that people are, are at least espousing, right? I think that we can go to the CDC and the who, and we can, I always like to say the who, because then I feel like there's, you know, a band that we're talking about, but we can go to those websites that in most of the world, maybe not every piece of the United States, but in most of the world are, are highly respected. And we can say, this is what is said, you know, and, and finding the point in the conversation would that makes sense, I think is a whole other element of this conversation. Because if you open up this conversation and it has nothing to do with what you're talking about with your client, that can feel a little jarring. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a client that's not talking about it at all. It's only about relationships. It's nothing about coronavirus or even the economy. But when we're bringing that education in, when we're saying, hey, these are what the experts are saying, here's the information, let's let's weigh the pros and cons of the behavioral decisions or the behaviors or the decisions that you're looking at, like that makes a lot of sense. But in an alternate facts, cognitive dissonant, anti-intellectual world, we have another layer to navigate because we have to agree on what is truth before we can then help someone make a decision given those facts. If we are the trained professionals who go to the schools, do the studying, do the work, reflect on ourselves, reflect on the process, are posed as the experts, if not at least just the professionals. Mm -hmm. I find it frustrating that our field, above all of, more so than any of the other professional fields, is the one that most often takes the stance of, I'm not going to take a stance. Okay. That, well, there is a large space around giving clients their autonomy and their informed decisions that if we are to improve people's behavioral and emotional health, which often overspills into physical health in both directions, uh, physical health affecting mental behavioral health and vice versa, that hiding behind the we let clients do what it is that they do. You know, come up with their own views, decide what their truth is, is really us not taking a stance at all and is probably one of the reasons why our field gets viewed so poorly by so many people. That if we took a stand as far as, here's how we relate to other professionals other professional ideas and the science backing those decisions, we should follow through in the same way on this. You know, if a client has a physical ailment or injury that they're not taking care of and it becomes a clinical point of our profession, of our professional work with that client, you know, hey, you've had surgery, you're not doing your post-surgery follow-through. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to be, you know, exercising, you're supposed to be changing your diet. These are reasons why you're feeling the way that you are, and it's not going to help you in the long run unless you start engaging in these behaviors. Is a stance that we should be taking, because that's part of our 
treatment around being an allied health professional with other professionals. And if we're not taking the same kinds of stances around allied health professionals, like the people who study the spread of transmittable diseases, we're not being consistent with our role as an allied health professional. Yes, and. <laughs> because I think the, the reason I say yes, and is, of course, I think that it's part of our responsibility to be informed, to be able to understand the science, and to be able to, to educate folks within the scope of our practice, as well as direct them to reputable sources of information. However, when we look at, you know, a doctor who has now been elevated up and is talking about, is it alien sperm at this point? Um, <laughs> we have doctors in, was it Fresno or something, talking about how untruthful everything is. I think that they're at least to a certain extent, I think that that you and I would argue that we can sort through that and get to critical thinking and scientific method and all of those things to a place where we can we can sort through the noise of quote unquote experts who somehow got medical degrees going against what the majority of experts are saying. I think so. I think there's that. I think that there are, you know, we can we can guide back to experts and we need to know how to do that. And we need to take stances on what other experts are saying. I think and and we can we can hearken back to therapy as an opiate for the masses. We also have to recognize that some of what is part of the system is is you know, is grounded in a lot of white patriarchal science. So I think to me, I, I believe that there's a lot of good science that's being done. I believe that there is a truth around this and that, you know, when we look at critical thinking and the scientific method, we are going to have a shift of understanding of what coronavirus even does and those kinds of things over time. And so it will feel, you know, flip floppy or inconsistent, but that's because that's what the scientific method is. I believe all those things and I believe in science. So I'm not saying any of that, but I'm saying when we're having a conversation with a person who is interacting with the world that is as a society, at least in the United States, and I think in a lot of other countries as well, that we are attacking the idea of an absolute truth that we have to at least acknowledge that and meet a client where they are to an extent so that they'll even hear us if we take that stand or when we take that stand. Because if I tell someone who is absolutely anti-mask, believes that coronavirus is a hoax and is, you know, kind of using cognitive dissonance and all of those things to hold that theory and present it to me. If I just say, well, that's untrue. This is what the experts say. There's no, there's no connection and there's no change. Like there's not the ability to reach that client. And I think that's, that's the difficulty of saying, let's take a stance as experts. If you have a client to use your example, if you have a client that's super depressed and you say you need to exercise and eat better and you need to get out of bed without meeting them where they are at all, even though you know that will help them, that change isn't happening either and there's a disconnect. So I think that we have to be in relationship to where the client is in some way for, the, for them to engage in this conversation with us. So I, I do want to 
fact check you here for a second. Okay. Uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel is who you're referring to. It is demon sperm and Sorry. alien DNA. You're, you're <laughs> well, thank you for fact checking. <laughs> you're, you're combining two separate aspects of Dr. Of her, Emanuel's her, argument. Her yes. yes, okay. I think that getting back to the, the, the core of this problem, though, is that the core of your argument is we don't enter into our client's world with the idea of reinforcing their cognitively dissonanted beliefs. Sure. And so to not challenge them, I mean, it might not be in the intake session, like, oh, I see you're an anti-masker, you know, hey, masks, like. Or no, you're stupid. (laughs) Or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you can take this around any any discussion in in the broader world where there seems to be a anti-science, anti-intellectual argument, whether it's masks, whether it's the strict anti-vaxxers. The yeah. you know th- this is not particularly new to us. No, and. It's just new about this because partially the information changes so rapidly that, you know, here we are in August. Somehow it's only been like four and a half months since a lot of the COVID restrictions have (laughs) happened. (laughs) Both feels like yesterday and several years ago, all at the same time. Yeah. But so much of this information does happen. And unfortunately, for a lot of the public, they don't understand the scientific process in the same way that many professionals do. And, you know, I'm not going to say that we as professionals are immune from this either. Dr. Stella Emanuel being one example that we've referenced in this episode, but even for the audience who may be listening to this, there there's going to be people who are like, well, and filling in whatever statistical part of the argument has come out. But at this point, there's so little randomized trial control group research out there that we honestly don't have answers about COVID. We have a lot of information that's being put out in real time that is case studies, that is anecdotal, that helps people to grasp onto a narrative that helps them feel comfortable. Now, steering this very, very specifically to our profession is when a client's history and dare say it pathology leads to them grasping onto some of these beliefs. For example, there's an article and we'll link it in the show notes about a woman who is very much suffering from post-traumatic stress from people wearing masks around her because she was a bank teller who was robbed by a gunman wearing a mask who had threatened to blow her brains out. And so for this particular client, there is a not even a question of, of the science that's even allowed to come up. And I think that this backs up your point is that yeah. it's being able to let those stories unfold for clients to be able to address their pathology, but it's also dealing with what's going on in the world right now with the best practices of those health officials who are the experts in the area that we're discussing. 
Feeling like your ideal clients just can't find you online? There's a better way with Simplified SEO Consulting. They're a team of mental health marketing specialists who understand the unique challenges therapists face in the digital world. Forget wasting time on confusing SEO tactics that leave you feeling frustrated and out of the loop. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a range of proven solutions to fit your practice needs, from DIY courses that empower you to take control, to done-with-you coaching that provides expert guidance at every step, to their individualized done-for-you SEO plans that let you focus on your clients while they handle the details. Plus, they have an innovative content network program that has set practices across the country apart from the rest. When you're ready to start showing up in front of your ideal clients online, the expert team at Simplified SEO Consulting is ready for you. Visit SimplifiedSEOConsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to schedule your free consultation and find the perfect SEO plan to unlock the full potential of your practice. Don't forget to mention Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for $100 off your done-for-you SEO onboarding, or use code Modern Therapist for 20% off a DIY SEO course this summer. I think what you're really speaking to and, and kind of relating it back to what I was talking about is that there there's still a human element to the person that's sitting across from you, I guess, for most of us at this point, on the other screen. Because I think the 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 real challenge, so so going away from alternate facts and that kind of stuff and speaking specifically to this idea of pathology or to to frame it in a more positive way, mental wellness versus compliance with quarantine and mask and that kind of stuff, like grappling with those two things, I think ends up feeling a lot, filling a lot of my conversations where I want to fully understand their perspective, their mental health, how they're navigating through the realities of both their living situation, but also the world at large, as well as compliance that potentially helps them in their own health and potentially the greater good, right? So it's, it's looking at if I completely isolate and I don't see another person, I will be physically healthy, but I may uh, become extremely depressed and not be able to function and lose my job and blah, 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 right? Or if I wear a mask or I go outside with people in a mask and I am traumatized because of having been attacked by people in masks in the past, you know, if I wear a mask, if I go out, I'm in compliance, but I'm also having to face my trauma and, and, constantly being triggered all day long every day you know like and so how do i make a decision that balances both my mental health and my physical health needs that balances my needs with the needs of society you know there's there's a lot of things for people to be considering right now and i think that being able to help our clients navigate through those decisions with as best, you know, kind of expert knowledge that we can bring in as well as meeting them where they're actually at and bringing them to a place that's actually in their best interest and hopefully co-creating what their best interest is. But I think that's that's the part that I feels that feels especially hard to me right now because of how emotional it all is. Cuz I I certainly have conversations with people who are like, well, you know, if we don't take care of people's mental health, then we're going to have this huge mental health or mental illness pandemic, and more and more people will die by suicide, and we have to look at the mental health. Or for other folks that said, if people would just wear the friggin' mask or just isolate for two to four weeks, 
like we could get past this and people should just buck up and how many people will really die anyway and blah, blah, blah. Like there's such strong opinions about this. And I think it's something where as therapists, I think we just have to get back to the basics of how do we actually support our clients in making decisions that are hard, right? I'm coming to the conclusion that if these are points of discussion in a therapy session anyway, Mm -hmm. I don't want clients to be able to say, you never told me to wear a mask. We talked about it in session. I caught COVID. I spread COVID. (laughs) You as the professional should know these things as somebody who informs me about behavioral things that I do in my life to feel better. You never told me not to. It's your fault. I'm not a medical professional, though. (laughs) Well, to me, this is where there is a responsibility to at least bring up what are healthy decisions for clients. It's not our responsibility to make them follow it, but it is our responsibility to have the discussions around here's what healthy people do. And this does come, again, to that psychoeducation standpoint. It's not our responsibility to convince clients. It's our responsibility to bring the, the truth and the science of the scientists, not, not the people who went to the University of Facebook and got their <laughs> medical degree from you know, the School of Memeology, but the people who actually do science. Yeah. The conversations that I'm having with my clients now is, to the best of our understanding of the science that's out there now, X, Y, and Z. Sure. Now, I may be hedging myself against all of the historical times that science has been wrong or incorrect mm-hmm. or incomplete, but I at least am able to document, we discuss this with the recommendation of following these principles based on CDC's recommendations. Sure. And I think the the mask point, I think, is potentially more simplistic than, than I want to finish with. Because I think wearing a mask, because it's politicized, I, I don't know that I can say is universally espoused, but I think it is something where most health experts, you know, communicable disease experts, professionals in this area, experts in this area are saying, wear a mask. At worst, it doesn't hurt. At best, it actually makes a big difference, both to you and to the people around you. I think for me, it's more about the decisions around, do I go and visit with this person? Do I take this risk? Like When we say what healthy people do, when we're saying like we're educating on healthy people, do, do healthy people do the backyard social distancing thing? Do healthy people go for walks with or without masks. Like, like there's such a, such an array of options on what we can and cannot do <laughs> as far as what might be healthy for us. And then there's also, you know, different, different situations in different neighborhoods as far as like, if you go outside, are you immediately like wall to wall with people or do you not see another per- person for miles? Like, I think that there's so much that goes there, but like making the more nuanced decisions, I think is where I'm actually sitting. It's not, do I wear a mask or not? And has my therapist told me that I should be wearing a mask because that's what the science says. It's, I am extremely isolated. Should I go visit with my family or not? And if I do, how do I manage risk in that situation? What are the risks? Am I aware of the risks? 
what's worth it? Are there parameters ahead of time or afterwards that I can, or, or not parameters, but like guidelines or, or guidance around how do I prepare and then how do I respond afterwards? How do I minimize the risk to myself and my family while also increasing connection and mental health for all of us? Like that feels so nuanced and I don't feel like there's really good answers. And so I think that's the part where I'm saying like, being able to get to, here's what we know, (laughs) here's what your truth is, both in the realities of your current practical situation, as well as to a certain extent, your belief system. Some people it's like, well, family is most important and I'm not going to interact with anyone but family, but I'm not going to distance myself from my family, for example. And some people are like, screw family. I'm only going to take those risks when I have to go to work because my job is important and I need to you know, have money coming in, or I need to have this career advancement. So there are individual truths that I think weigh on these decisions. And so to me, that's the part where I feel like being able to help folks with critical thinking, understanding their perspective, and helping them grapple with what the risk is and what it's not. I think it's tough, but I think it's also what we do as therapists. uh, Most of the time, it just feels more challenging right now. Oh, what you're speaking to is, I don't think it's individual truths. I think it's the truths as they apply to the individual. Sure. And I think that there's a a nuance there, but I think it's an important one that makes it to where it's how do I fit within the science and information that's out there, not how does my science and information allow me to engage in the behaviors that I want to engage in. Absolutely. No argument there. So we would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on today's episode. You can come over and join us in the Modern Therapist Facebook group. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on today's episode as well as all of our episodes and be a part of our community over there. Check out information in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And we are just about a month away from the Therapy Reimagined 2020 virtual conference where we have our friends over at Simple Practice and Simple Practice Learning helping us put that on, helping take care of the CEs. Check out the website for all of the information about our speakers, therapyreimaginedconference.com, September 24th, 25th, and 26th, streaming to a internet-connected device wherever you are. (laughs) And until next time, I'm Kurt Widell with Katie Bernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Charge your full rate with confidence with Thryzer. Thryzer takes care of 100% of the insurance stress and helps your clients skip the long reimbursement wait, giving you a powerful tool to attract and retain out-of-network clients with ease. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Feeling stuck with SEO for your therapy practice? There's hope. Head to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist and unlock your website's SEO potential with Simplified SEO Consulting. Use code modern therapist for a discount and mention the Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for a special offer on done for you SEO this summer. 
Let's build your dream practice together.